All right, let's pray and then we're going to get rolling. Heavenly Father, uh, what a beautiful day as we look at uh, your creation, experience your creation. Lord, we know that uh, you are in control. And so, Lord, for anybody that came here this morning and is just stressed out, Lord, I pray that you'll give them comfort. For anybody that came here this morning and maybe they're just looking for a place to belong, Lord, help us to be a church home. Help us to continue to be a family. And Lord, we thank you for the hope that we have because of your son. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. Uh, we're starting a series throughout November, and I love the way it's phrased, is how would you live your life as if God owned everything? How would you live your life if God owned everything? If God owned 100% of your finances, your service, your worship, if God literally owned everything. So let me ask you a couple of uh, hypothetical questions. So here's the first scenario. What if? So this is kind of the what if game. Now, when I say what if, first of all, you need to know that I do not have the resources to do this. Probably never will. But what if I had the resources and I could give every one of you a check for $10,000 and the only stipulation is you have to spend it in 24 hours. How many of you could spend $10,000 in 24 hours. What, that did not take long. Okay. Okay. Wow. We, we have a lot of sinners in this room, okay? Number two, what if, what if I gave you $10,000 and in 24 hours you had to give it all away? How many of you could give it all away? Not quite as fast, but pretty good. Okay. Now here's the real question. Which one would give you more pleasure? So can I be brutally honest? For me, it would depend on the day. <laughs> Am I the only one? Am I going to admit? There'd be some days like, oh, Lord, I cannot wait to give it away. And there'd be other days as, Lord, thank you. You know I needed this. And don't we have that tension every day of our lives? Like deep down inside, we look at God's creation, and we know if you've created the world, Lord, you can handle my stress. Lord, if you've created the world, I know you can handle anything that I'm going through. But to live every day as if God owned it all, can you imagine how that would change our life? So we're going to look at a guy this morning. You've all, if you've grown up in church, uh, even if you haven't, you've probably heard of this guy. He, he's really a popular guy because we love to tell our kids about this New Testament guy, and his name is Zacchaeus. How many of you remember the little goofy song we sang, Zacchaeus was a wee little man? Remember that one? Yeah, wasn't that a classic? Okay. My favorite part is the kid, you come down. I don't know why I just love that part. Okay. So to get us thinking, the imagery, like what do you think Zacchaeus looked like? Do you ever go through the scriptures and you go through a story and you're like, I wonder what those people look like. So I want you to raise your hand. I'm going to give you three, three scenarios, three types of people. And I want you to raise your hand if you think Zacchaeus looked like A, B, or C. A, do you think Zacchaeus looked like one of the little people from Wizard of Oz. Just saying, I don't know. Number B, do you think Zacchaeus looked like a hobbit from the Lord of the Rings? C, raise your hand if you think Zacchaeus looked like Danny DeVito. Anyone? Every time I read this, I'm like, I think he's like Danny DeVito. And if you've ever, now I'm showing my age. If you ever saw Taxi, I think he acted like that guy, okay? I just think he was a little sneaky. He was a little slimy. Uh, but I'll tell you what he was, is he was powerful. If you look at your text, and if you'll turn over Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, and we're going to go all the way down through 10, but especially these first two verses. 
Uh, we need to understand something. And if you're taking notes or you're highlighting and you get to Zacchaeus, you need to remember it says, Jesus entered Jericho. He was passing through and there was a man there named Zacchaeus. And he was what? A chief tax collector. Again, highlight chief tax collector. Because here's what this position entailed. That meant the, the Roman government went through and they would choose tax collectors and they would raise them to the ranks. And if you were the chief tax collector, that meant you represented the Roman government and what your authority was was over the Jewish people. So even though he was Jewish, guess what he was doing to the Jewish people? He was gouging them. And he was gouging them, getting money from the Romans, getting money from the Jewish people. So you can only imagine how they love Zacchaeus in this town and in this region. He was probably, if he wasn't the most hated guy, he was right at the top of the list. And Jesus, it's amazing, uh, people are really beginning to follow Jesus. The, the mobs and the crowds are following Jesus. And Jesus is now, at this point when you read this text, he is moving towards the cross. I mean, he is just literally days away from the cross. And he's going through Jericho, and he's moving to Jerusalem. And it's here in Jericho that he comes in contact with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a curious man that found answers. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho, and again, as he was passing through, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and wealthy, and he wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was what? Short. He could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead of them, and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. Let's just pause right there. You talk about a guy driven to see something spectacular is Zacchaeus. Now, why? He's got everything. I mean, think about it. Financially, he has everything, but he's curious. And I think curiosity is actually a really good thing. And because of his curiosity, he was willing to humiliate himself. It's interesting, as I did study, I found that in this culture, first of all, a man, and the higher up you were in socially, the ranks, was never supposed to run. Like if you're wearing your gown, your robe, you're not supposed to run because that's undignified. Now imagine, not only is he running, he's climbing a tree. Now I don't know the levels of being undignified. I'm just going to say that one ranks pretty high. And you can almost picture this little Danny DeVito bouncing around and everybody's like, oh, you want to see Jesus? I don't think so. You know, you know they're kind of blocking him and you can just kind of see him doing everything he can, jumping up and down, you know. I felt that agony, you know, when you're 5'8", and you go through life, you know, you're short. Some of you right now are in the back like, I can't even see that dude preaching. You know, I, I get it. And so he's doing everything he can just to get a glance at Jesus. And then finally, he's like, I can't take this anymore. And he's willing to climb a tree just to see Jesus. Now think about that. You talk about undignified. There's an Old Testament story that is so moving, and it's in 2 Samuel chapter 6. David is appointed the king. Saul was a wicked king. David is appointed the king. David wins a couple of battles, and not only is he now the king, but now God says, David, I want you to take the ark, and we're going to move the ark into your household. 
Now, David is so blown away that God would honor him with the Ark of the Covenant. You might remember what David did? Basically, in shorts, David just starts dancing. I mean, and the, the whole country can't believe, here's our king, and I don't want to say he's in his underwear. I don't know the Bible word for underwear, but he is basically in his shorts, and he's dancing, but you know what? He doesn't care. Why? Because it says, I don't care if I'm undignified in the eyes of man. All I care about is that I am what? Right with God. That's all that matters. To be undignified. To be willing when you're curious to do whatever it takes in that curiosity to move forward. Don't, don't we love it when people are passionate? Now, I was kind of razzing you before about the Cubs, but you probably heard the story about Wayne Williams in North Carolina that had made a promise to his dad on his dad's deathbed that, Dad, if we ever come close to winning the World Series, I want to listen to the game with you, like we've done our whole lives. He drove 600 miles and in the graveyard with the radio listened to the game. Now, some people would read that and say, that is crazy, to which I would reply, it is crazy. And when you're passionate about something, you do crazy things. Any of you remember when you were in love? Raise your hand if you remember that. Good, five of you. Okay, good, okay. <laughs> Did you not do crazy things? Seriously, think about when you're passionate about something, you do crazy things. I was, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say this, I was, um, I was at home, and there's this song by Ray Charles, and it's called So Help Me God. And um, I'd got the lyrics, and I had it on my iPad, and no one was home, so... <laughs> So I get my iPad, I plug in my headphones, and I'm looking out the window. It was a beautiful day. And I mean, I am belting out this song. I'm as, and it, I kept getting louder. And I was trying to do the Ray Charles, trying to put some soul in it. And I mean, I was so into it. You ever had those moments like it's you and God? You ever had those? And right as I'm belting this song, it just scared me. There's somebody just hits me on the shoulder. <laughs> it's my daughter, Danielle. And she's like, are you okay? I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, I, didn't you hear me yelling all the way in the house? I'm like, dad, dad. And I'm like, no, I didn't hear you yelling and get out of here. You know, just, you know what I mean? You know what that is? That's undignified. Now, guess what? You've all had those moments, haven't you? When it's you and God, you've been in the car, you've had a terrible day and there's a song come on and then you, there's something about that song. And I mean, you are singing at the top of your lungs. You ever had those moments? Or those moments when you just, God is so close to you, you don't care if anybody sees. I'll be honest, I've grown up my whole life in a Christian church, and I grew up in a non-instrumental church of Christ. So here's something we don't do. A lot of, we don't raise our hands. Isn't that weird? We, we, even, and if the spirits move in the, <laughs> the church, I grew up, it's kind of like alligator arms, like, God is so good. It's like, he is so good. You know, I don't want to don't get above my ear because you know, then I'm crazy. And then what happens? What, I go to a ball game? Woo! You know, I'm just a total, okay. What's the issue? You ever ask yourself, like, what is the issue? Are you willing to say, God, you know what? I am so curious to seek your presence. I'm willing to be undignified. I'm willing to take the risk. That's what I love about Zacchaeus. And I'll tell you why that is so important, curiosity, because to be honest with you, the church better wake up because there's a lot of folks out there 
and they're losing their curiosity to find God through the church. 25% of all Americans right now say they are not religiously affiliated. In other words, they want nothing to do with the church. And here's what's really scary. The largest group right now growing, it's called the nuns. You know what I'm talking about? N-O-N-E-S, the nuns. The age group 18 to 29, 39% in that age group are saying they want nothing to do with the church. Now, the church can say, well, that's their problem, or the church can wake up and say, wait a second, why aren't people as curious as they used to be about Jesus? You know what I think? I think they still are. I think people are every bit as curious about Jesus as they've ever been, but they do have issues with the church. And the church can get angry, or the church can honestly wake up and get back to basics and just preach and teach and tenaciously follow Jesus Christ. It's not about man-made rules. It's about Jesus Christ. Because when you come in contact with Jesus Christ, it'll change your life. Always has and always will. What's it tell us in the Word of God? Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You can bank on that. Jesus will never change. We need to step up and tenaciously follow Jesus Christ. I found this the other day, and I, I tell you, it is, has really moved me. Uh, it's Napoleon, of all people. And I want you to listen to his words. Napoleon Bonaparte. I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere man. Between him and every person in the world, there is no possible term of compassion. Alexander the Great, Caesar, Charlemagne, I have founded empires, but on what did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded his empire on love. And there to this day are millions of men and women who would die for him. That will never change. We'll have world leaders, but there will never be a world leader like Jesus Christ. That's what Zacchaeus figured out. That's why he climbed the tree. He knew there's no one like this. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to just be in his presence. Whatever it takes. I love this quote. The cure for boredom is curiosity, but there is no cure for curiosity. We should always be curious as we are pursuing Jesus Christ and never lose that curiosity. If you're taking notes, Zacchaeus was a poor man, but he came rich. Look at verses 6 through 9. Let me back up there and start with verse 7. All the people who saw him began to mutter, why would he go to this guest's house, this sinner's house? But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, Lord, look, here now I will give half of my possessions to the poor. And I, if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay him back four times the amount. And the Lord said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. Do you see what's going on? First of all, you know they hated Zacchaeus. And can you imagine Jesus as he's walking by and all of these people, and he looks up into the tree, and he knows him, and he says, Hey, I'm going to go eat at your house today. Now, how do you think the crowd reacted to that one? Like, oh, here we go. I thought he was 
uh, full of mercy and grace, and he's, he's going to go and break bread with this scoundrel. Why would he do that? Because Jesus knew this guy desperately needs me. And so he went to his house. And I love the transformation because when he came in contact with Jesus, everything changed. If you notice what he did, he gave back. He said, I will give back 50% to the poor. Now, even by the strictest rule, the law, if you were proven guilty of fraud, the maximum you would pay would be 20%. That's if you were proven guilty of fraud in court. Now, do you actually think a chief tax collector would ever be proven guilty of fraud in a public court? Absolutely not. So for him to say, I don't care what the human law says, and I don't care that there's huge loopholes. Doesn't matter. Lord, I want to give 50% away. To who? To the poor. Why is that important? I'll give 50% of everything I owe to people who will never pay me back. Now, you want to see a transformation? When it starts to transform our wallets, you know it's really a transformation. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Jesus still changes lives today. Some of you this morning, that may be where you're at, I guarantee you. You came in here and you're just curious. And maybe you've had struggles with the church. I have no idea. But I can tell you this, when you come in contact with Jesus Christ, your life will never be the same. And I'll tell you what I've seen time and time again. What Jesus does when you really, I mean, surrender to him is not only do your priorities change, your relationships begin to change. And you know what else begins to change? The very thing that was the obstacle keeping you from Jesus is the very thing you're willing to let go of. And for Zacchaeus, what was it? His money. There's a million things he could have done, but you notice the very first thing he did, he started to give away his money. Why? Because that's the very thing that prevented me from getting where I needed to be with God. So this morning, what's that thing in your life that's preventing you from getting where you need to be with Jesus Christ? What's that one thing in your life that is stopping you from making the most critical decision of your life, and that is tenaciously following Jesus Christ? What is that? That's what you have to wrestle with. That's what you need to be willing to climb a tree over, that thing. It really is about Jesus. I've thought a lot about that phrase. What would we do is if we lived as if God owned everything? And I think of verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Would you read that with me? For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It's like living every day as if God has given you a second chance. The other day I had a good friend and uh, he shared a story about his dad. And I asked him if he'd give me permission to share it because it really did touch me. And it's Doug Smith. Some of you have seen Doug. He's around. He's just, he's just a great guy. He's got a great heart. And his dad's name was Dan. Dan passed away a few years ago. But he said his dad would never buy a lotto ticket. You know why? He said during the Vietnam War, uh, the draft came out, and those of you who remember Vietnam War, I remember in the neighborhood hearing the guys, the teenagers talking about this, you'd get a number. 
And then they would call certain numbers, and then you'd go to what? You'd go to get drafted. Well, his number came up. And so up in Indianapolis, he went, the group of men, went through the physical, passed. And uh, you can only imagine they gathered all these guys in the gym. And, uh, and then he said, okay, I, I'm going to count you off one, two, one, two. So he put group one, group two, and he said, believe it or not, gentlemen, uh, we have too many men that have showed up today. So I'm going to draw a number. And whatever number I draw, you're going to get to walk out of here. And the other group, you're going to have to stay. And he drew the number, and his dad actually got to go home that day. You want to know what happened a few months later? The exact same thing. They drew the two numbers. Want to know what happened? One more time, he got to walk out. And he said, those are the days that I realized I don't need the lotto. I've won it twice. Let me ask you something. You ever felt like that because of Jesus Christ? The day you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you know what you just did? You just won the lotto. The day you surrendered to Jesus Christ, that's the day you've got it all, as if God owns it all. And we just need to be reminded of that. Some of you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you something greater than winning the lotto. It's Jesus Christ. So in just a moment, we're going to sing. And we just want to ask you about Jesus Christ. So after communion, we want you to really hone in on what does that mean to give my life to Jesus Christ? What does that mean? And for some of you, this may be the most important day of your life that you have the courage to just step up and say, I need Jesus. Now I want you to know we do something every week if you're visiting here for the first time. That is, we take communion. We break bread and we drink juice because it's a remembrance of what Christ has done to us. We have tables set up in the four areas of the room. And if for every reason it's hard for you to get to this table, if you'll raise your hand, somebody will bring communion to you. But it's an opportunity for you just to kind of let life slow down and focus on what Christ has done for you. I share with you this song, So Help Me God by Ray Charles. I just want to read a very small section. And I want these words to sink in. I am lost I've been led astray. Once again, I need your light and love to lead the way. I know I don't deserve it, but I promise it's the end. So if you rescue me just one more time, you'll never have to do it again. So help me, God. Help me, God. So help me, God. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we are totally surrendered to you. And Lord, we, we don't thank you enough because you saved us. I mean, you have saved us. And Lord, there may be somebody here this morning and they feel like they're so far away from you, you couldn't possibly reach them, but Lord, you can reach them. Just like you reached this little guy willing to do whatever it took, and he climbed a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. Lord, help us to do whatever it takes as we approach this table. Thank you. Thank you for loving us. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.